and took a long swallow of the cool drink. The way she was feeling, it probably should have been a mint julep at the very least. Maybe even straight bourbon. If the ominous tone of the letter she held was any indication, she had a feeling she was in for the fight of her life. Intuitive as always, Sarah picked up on her mood. Dear, if you don't mind my saying so, you look a mite peaked. Is it the weather or is something wrong? Tina shook her head. Grandmother Sarah regarded her critically. Your nose is growing, child. Bibbing is not becoming. I didn't say a word. Exactly. Okay, there is a problem, but it's nothing for you to worry about. Sarah's eyes narrowed and she retorted spiritedly, Of course it is. I'm your friend, aren't I? If something has you all in a tizzy, then the rest of us certainly want to help. Tina didn't have the heart to explain that the rest of them were the problem. Grandmother Sarah was only the tip of the iceberg. There was slightly dotty Aunt Juliet, also no relation, as well as little Billy and old Mr. Kelly, to say nothing of Sam's great-grandchildren, one of Bandit's descendants and Lady Macbeth, a parrot who had the vocabulary of a drunken sailor. No matter how she looked at it, Tina admitted, it was not your typical household but that didn't mean she was breaking the law, although clannish, well-moneyed Palm Beach seemed to have a whole encyclopedia of etiquette and a long list of specialized zoning regulations all its own. It had been five years now, but she'd never quite gotten used to the transition she'd made from her barely middle-class childhood in West Palm Beach to the wealthy island enclave across the bridge. Her three-year marriage to Gerald Harrington had given her instantaneous social status, financial security, an estate that edged the Atlantic Ocean, and, most of all, a joyous storybook love. Gerald's accidental death and the crash of the company jet two years earlier had devastated her. At 26, she was left rattling around in a huge old house, surrounded by staff who refused to even sit down and play a card game with her. They put her meals on the table, then retreated to await the tinkle of a bell. The cook would have been horrified if she'd known that Tina would have preferred to eat in the kitchen. The butler would have been equally shocked if she'd suggested he join her at the imposing dining room table. As a result of their stuffy sense of station, she'd been faced with an intolerable loneliness at the end of every long, tiring day she spent at Harrington Industries. Then a year ago, just when she'd thought things were at their bleakest, Grandmother Sarah, Aunt Juliet, and the rest had come along needing the kind of assistance and friendship she could easily offer. Now she felt as though her life were worth living again. No one was going to take that away from her. You got another one of those letters, didn't you? Grandmother Sarah said, her sharp gaze falling on the paper that Tina had tossed defiantly on the table. Yes, she admitted reluctantly conceding that there was no point in denying the obvious. Who's this one from? The state. My, my. He is pulling out the big guns, isn't he? He, of course, was Drew Landry, her new neighbor, and the man behind this letter and a whole series that had preceded it. The man was attacking her way of life with tactical efforts worthy of a marine commander and the persistence of a pit bull. I just don't understand it. Tina muttered. What difference could it possibly make to Drew Landry if I have a few house guests? Grandmother Sarah lifted her eyebrows. Okay, Tina muttered defensively. So you're not exactly house guests in the traditional sense. 
You didn't drop in from Monte Carlo or London or Boston. You're not just here for the annual Red Cross Gala. I still don't see what business it is of his or the state of Florida. Why don't you talk to him, dear? Explain about all of this. I'm sure he's a reasonable man. An image of Drew Landry flashed in Tina's mind. Her tall, dark, jet-setting neighbor with the formidable scowl and the well-toned, impressively proportioned body struck her as anything but reasonable. On the one occasion when they'd met, long enough for her to offer to pay for the window Billy had broken with the best-hit ball of his little league career, Landry's extraordinary blue eyes had flashed angrily. The nostrils of his patrician nose had flared, and his full, sensuous lips emitted a string of oaths her parrot would have envied. Tina, who was rarely intimidated, had literally quaked under the impact of his fury. It was not a scene she was anxious.